Welcome to the Citizens Youth Podcast. Citizens Youth is a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church in Vancouver, Washington. Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit us online at nwgospel.com forward slash citizens. Is it good? How many of you guys got some epic firework action? We got fireworks in the front here. Yes. Anna, you are a firework. Yes. There's a song about that, I think. Um, hey, so I just realized two weeks from today, we will be doing a very special pre-camp gathering. You don't want to miss the Wednesday before we leave. We have a special guest. We're going to do some fun things. And uh, it's going to be awesome. Is there anybody who wants to go to camp that has not signed up yet? Anybody saying, Sam, please don't close it without me. Don't close the ark. I want on board. Anyone? We'll get you there. We'll get, talk to me tonight. Christine, you're my leader. Everybody say, Christine. Keem? Keem, you didn't register either? Oh, man. (laughs) My leaders are setting the example here. Oh, man. So, hey, one of my favorite things about camp, one of my favorite things about camp, and honestly, this is one of my favorite things about citizens, but you get to meet new friends, you know? And now, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Because some of you here are like, Sam, I'm an introvert, and if I could just have my three friends, I'm actually good, you know? I don't need, and I'm just like, I hear you, I get that. But there's more, okay, Jacob? There's more. Yes, you can have your deep friendships, but just having people in your life are important. Not, hey, hi, welcome to the sermon. We have here a celebrity, Marcus Hamby, walked right up to the stage. Give it up for Marcus. Yeah, we'll do the thing later that we talked about. Yeah, it'll be good. So, um, friends, friends. Yeah, so friends. So friends are important because God actually used friends. He uses friends in your life to change your life. And so even if you feel like you don't need people, you do. You do. And so here's a question for you. I'm going to gauge the room here. When you make new friends, what are some of the ways that you really get to know them? What are some of the things you do? What are some of the questions you ask to really get to know a new friend? The floor is open. What do you guys do? Where do you go to school? That's a great question to ask. That will determine if I want to be your friend or not. Good. Others. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. What type of music they like? I like it. What do you ask? <laughs> yeah, is a great question. It's like, hey, what's your name? Are you a believer? <laughs> right? No, but truly, that's a question you ask because you get to know somebody. What else? What else do you guys ask to get to know each other? What grade are you in, right? Okay, others? What's your name? Oh, leaving no stone unturned. Dude, what if you were like seven weeks into a friendship and you're like, hey, I forgot to ask you, by the way. I feel like we may have missed the boat on this, but what's your name? I know you're a Christian, I know the kind of music you like, but we missed the first step there. Um, <laughs> what is your name? Uh, what else? Uh, other things you ask or, or do? What else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What makes them laugh? We have a comedian, right? She's like, hi, I'm Marissa. 
what makes you laugh, right? What if they said tickling? Would you, would you still engage in that to make them laugh? How many of you would tickle a new friend that you've only known for a day? <laughs> yes. I wouldn't necessarily say tickle fight, but I would maybe like, you know, I'd maybe like nub the ribs a little bit. I'd maybe give them a little Gucci goo, Gucci goo, you know? I don't know. One more, one more. Do you like animals? If so, this is a two-part question, very serious. Do you like animals? If yes, go to this question, which says, do you like cats? I propose that we create a full-blown, like, like, a, uh, like a friend inquiry, right? Like, hey, you want to be friends? Fill out the application, you know? And we can put all these questions on it. So when I was growing up, one of the most powerful, meaningful, deep ways that we got to know each other, and, and uh, my friend Alyssa over here mentioned it, we like to say, dude, what music are you into? And so it is my opinion, it's just a theory, I haven't proven it, but maybe after the gathering during late night, late night, maybe during late night, we can test this out. I believe that if I could look through your playlist, that I can know your soul. <laughs> Yo, I think if you were to look through my playlist, if you were to look at my Spotify, you would know, you want to click on that so I can go to the next one there? If you were to look through my Spotify, you would know a lot about me. And so as a matter of fact, let's do that, huh? Can I show you guys, and no, wait, everybody raise your right hand and say, I solemnly swear to not judge you. Why are you crossing your fingers, Hannah? That was really rude, okay? So I'm going to show you my playlist, but I don't want you to judge me. I just want you to get to know me. And so... School's out, it's summer, and so everybody's got to have a little summer slaps, right? right? So sometimes, that's good, that's good, right? We'll, we'll press play. So sometimes I'm bumping to my summer slaps, but sometimes the party gets crazy and I start speaking in different languages. So I'm like, oh, snap, it just went from summer slaps to para la fiesta, right? Play it, show on my playlist. Que pasa, right? Okay, that's good, that's good. So, so, yeah, you know it, right? All the four of us Hispanics just started singing Mark Anthony. That's good. Would you dance if I ask you to? That's Enrique, we won't go there, okay? But sometimes, all right, so you're partying, it's summer, but how many of you know that you can't be on 10 all summer? You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't party all summer. And so sometimes you got to bring it down, and sometimes you got to chill, and you know it's like 9 o'clock at night, and you just put on that evening chill, right? Play a little, give them a little something on my playlist. Oh, no more? Sometimes you just want to like look out the window and feel super contemplative. And then somebody reminds you you're 13 years old. It's not that serious, right? So that's good. So sometimes you're chilling at night. Sometimes you got to, like, get stuff done, right? It's 11 o'clock at night, and you go, oh, my gosh, I forgot to do my homework. And so sometimes you just got to gotta put something on for the deep focus, you know? How many of you guys have a deep focus playlist? Put it on. Two plus two times five. How many of you guys put music on like this and you just feel so dramatic, right? 
And you're like, yes, I can. And you're like doing your homework in slow motion. Like you're in an episode of Friday Night Lights, you know. That's good, that's good. So sometimes, sometimes you're just deeply focusing. But then sometimes, man, sometimes you find yourself in your room and you're just having one of those moments with Jesus, you know. How many of you guys have singing as a regular part of your devotional habits? If you don't do, read your Bible, pray, and play music, right? Play Jesus music. And so there's moments in my room where I'm just like, ah, Jesus. It's just me and him, and I'm singing to him. And if other people were there, they'd be extremely uncomfortable. So I'm playing some of the best of live worship. You're just like, yeah, Lord. Yeah. Love you, Lord. And you're just like, you know. Hey, no judgment. You said no judgment. That's good. They're judging me. All right. Hey, I'm not looking at, that's why we all face forward when we're singing, because we're not trying to see the, the snotty Jesus cries, right? Sometimes, you know, you wake up in the morning, got to hit the Nike running tempo mix. Anybody have a running playlist? Six of us have a run. You got it. Yeah. Sometimes we run. Good. Sometimes, most, but I do a lot. Sometimes you gotta hit the highway. Sometimes you gotta put the windows down, right? And sometimes you just have to cruise at 70 miles per hour in the hour. I'm coming in. You guys don't have playlists? Are you guys taking notes here? This is gold. Let's keep going. Windows down. Oh, uh. I said no. I said no judgment. Have and then sometimes there's those special times of year. Let your that's heart good. That's good. If we play Christmas music, if we play Christmas music too early, my heart melts. It's like a hot mess. I start crying up here. I get nostalgic. And so we are talking about playlists. Guys, the music that we listen to is so important. We play these different playlists depending on how we're feeling, depending on what time of the year it is, depending on what we want to feel like. And so music is important. And so if you weren't here last week, uh, well, I'll catch you up. We are in a series right now going through the Psalms. And the Psalms are basically what I call the soundtrack of God's people. All right? There's, there's, uh, uh, there, there are uh, various Psalms in the soundtrack, and so one of the easiest ways to think about the soundtrack is playlists. There are a few different collections of playlists in the Psalms, and so depending on the time of year, depending on how they were feeling, depending on how they wanted to feel, God's people would put on a variety of playlists. And so tonight, we're going to be going through Psalm 22, throw them up, 22, Let's see it. Psalm 22, we're calling this Psalm Forsaken, and this Psalm is a, a specific, a unique type of Psalm. The Psalm that we are going through, everybody say 22. Taylor Swift is like, yeah, right? We're going through Psalm 22, and this Psalm is from the following playlist. It's from a playlist called The Laments, okay? The Laments. A lament is a passionate expression, a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. This is a lament. This is not the kind of song 
that you put on when you're driving down the highway. This is not a summer slap. This is not the kind of song that you bump to. This is the kind of song that I played when I was 12 years old and I moved from New York City and I thought my parents ruined my life because they moved me to rural Pennsylvania. This is the kind of song, a lament is the kind of song that I was playing when I moved at 12 years old in middle school away from all of my friends, away from everything that I've ever known, away from the city and I move into the country and I know no one. And I had a crazy hard time making friends. And I know what you're saying. You? It wasn't me. It was because I wanted to go outside and play football, but the Pennsylvanians wanted to play with their potato guns. (laughs) I mean, like, we were at, like, there were some major differences. I found it so hard to fit in. I talked funny. I had a New York accent, all right? I dressed funny, apparently, because I didn't wear boots and camouflage hats, And so not only did I not have friends, but they actually had enemies. Like, people started to not like me. It's one thing to be neutral, right? It's like, whatever. But it's another thing to go, dude, I'm going to jump you after school. And I had, like, people talking about, like, they were going to beat me up. And so I'm going into school every day, and you try to play it tough. Like, yeah, I'm cool. But you're like, dude, am I really going to be physically harmed in middle school? I'd go home from school. I wasn't myself. I didn't want to do the things that Sam normally wanted to do. I was low. That was really hard, you know? And people who who try to, you know, mean well, they'd say things like, it's not that big of a deal. You grow out of this. Everybody does this. But in that moment, my pain was real. In that moment, I didn't need tired cliches and easy answers. I was in anguish. I can honestly say, at 12 years old, I experienced severe pain and suffering. To me, right? You may look back as an 18-year-old and go, dude, that's not even a big deal. But how many of you know when you're in your pain, it's a big deal, right? A lament. This is the kind of song that I would play uh, a year ago. My wife was pregnant, and at 21 weeks into the pregnancy, she starts bleeding. And she rushes to the hospital, and she basically wouldn't leave for the next four months. And day after day, the doctors are visiting with us, telling us the likelihood that our baby's not going to survive. Talking to me, saying, hey, even if your baby does survive, you understand there's going to be a high risk of disabilities here. Having conversations with doctors that you should never have to have, talking about, hey, if the baby is disabled, you still want to go through with this. I mean, you're like, do you know what it's like to sit in the hospital room in the corner by yourself, and you're just bawling because you're so used to being a fixer. You're so used to being able to do something, but you can't. You're in anguish. It's a lament. Have you ever experienced pain? Have you guys ever experienced suffering like this? Spoiler alert, you will. I'm not trying to tell you the end of the story, but if you are a human being, there's going to come times in your life where this is going to happen to you. You will experience anguish. You will experience the reality of relational pain, of emotional anguish. You students will be in a situation where you look around and you say, I feel hopeless. Life gets real. Life gets raw. But here's what I want you to understand tonight. In those moments, God has something to say to you. 
in those moments that are hard, in the middle of your pain and your problems, God has something to say to you. If you think that the Bible only speaks to your spiritual high moments, if you think that the Bible is only for you when you're feeling good, then you're going to have a lot of times in your life where you feel like it has nothing to say to you. Sometimes we think of God like the overhyped Zumba director. Come on, guys, yes, worship, yeah, life is good, be positive. And there's going to be times in your life where you're just like, I'm not feeling like that. And if that's God, I must... I guess I have to distance myself from him until I'm done with the suffering, until I'm done with the pain. If you think God only speaks to you in the happy times, then you won't come to him in your suffering. You're gonna think that Christianity doesn't apply to me right now, but students, that is not true. And the proof? We have laments. A lament is a psalm that every single one of us can relate to at some point in our lives. The lament is a song that you can put on and you can play it in the seasons where you feel overwhelmed. This is a prayer guide that you can pray through. This, students, is a comfort for the pain and our problems when anguish goes from being a vocab word to being your life experience. Have you felt this yet? You will. And so for the next few moments, I want us to go through Psalm 22, and we're going to find pain. We're going to find suffering. We're going to find anguish. And some of you here, maybe you're taking notes, and you go, good, I'll tuck that away for another day. But some of you here know what I'm talking about. And some of you here are going to go, dang. David has been separated from us by thousands of years, and yet he knows these problems, the pain, and the suffering that I'm feeling. And as you're listening to this psalm, you're going to realize that David would agree with you when you say, sometimes life sucks. Sometimes life sucks. And we see that starting in verse 12. Check this out. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They, they stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. Let's pause right there. The first thing that we're going to see in our passage tonight is the reality of relational pain. The reality of relational pain. Have you ever experienced relational pain? Have you ever been at odds with another human being? Look what he says here. He says to us, he goes, hey guys. I'm surrounded, right? I am surrounded. I am encompassed, which is a fancy word that means surrounded. And you go, yeah, he's surrounded. Look what he says. We got bulls. We got lions. We got dogs. Oh, my. He's surrounded by animals. Homeboy is in the middle of a a full-on stampede. And you're like, that's why I closed the Bible. I don't understand anything. He's surrounded by bulls, lions, and dogs. Oh, my. No, this is a psalm. 
he is using metaphorical language. He's using pictures to describe how he feels. He's in touch with his feelings. He's not literally surrounded by these animals. What he's saying is, I am surrounded by people who want nothing more than to hurt me and see me suffer. Or he says it this way, a company of evildoers encircles me. He's not in Pennsylvania at 12 years old. He's in Jerusalem, but he looks around, and all he sees, he sees people that remind him of bulls, that there's just these massive bulls that just want to crush him. They're not cute and cuddly. He's not a petting zoo. The people around him want nothing more than to just boom, right? What is that called when you do that? Gore, thank you. Nothing more than to gore him. He looks around at the people, and they're just yapping off so much at the mouth. He goes, it reminds me of a roaring lion where the only thing out of their mouths are dangerous threats. They're trying to intimidate me. Man, I'm looking around for a friend. I'm looking around for someone who likes the same music as me. I'm looking around for a fellow believer. I'm looking around for somebody in my grade, and all I'm finding are evil people. And, 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 the, and the only thing I can re- that remind me of, they remind me of those wild and diseased dogs who have no place in the home. They're like dogs who deserve nothing more than to be kicked out away from God's people, away from God. He's surrounded. The people around him, they want to harm him. So it feels like he's surrounded not by cuddly pets, but by ferocious and aggressive predators. And you know what they do? They're awful to him. The people that are around him are awful to him. Look what they do. He says here, they have pierced my hands and my feet. So he's surrounded by lions. He's surrounded by dogs. And they finally pounce and they maim his hands and his feet as they attack him and claw at him and bite him. Did they literally physically assault him? You know what I think? I think it doesn't matter. A lot of commentators will argue, did they actually physically attack him or not? And I say, it doesn't matter, scholars, because he feels that way. Whether or not somebody puts a literal finger on you or if they just beat you down with their words, does it really matter? It's the same. It feels like you've been attacked. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, except from Sunday through Saturday. Bones will mend. Words have a way of sticking with you forever, right? And so they're awful to him. They've pierced his hands and his feet. Look what else it says. He says, I can count my bones. You know that feeling you get after Thanksgiving and you eat a meal and you start it at 7 a.m. and you end at 10 p.m.? And it's just like constant, like you never even closed your mouth. You know, like you learn how to chew without closing. You're like, it's just like you're shoveling food, right? And you're like, I'm so full. And then they pull out the cheesecake. You're like, never mind. <laughs> you just start, like, and you look in the mirror that night. You can't count your bones. You know what I'm saying? Remember when you were like six and you can like see your rib cage? And you're like, I can't. I've had too many Thanksgivings since six years old. You know, and it's like most of us can't see our rib cage anymore. Homeboy has not had a good meal in a long time. He's suffering. He's emaciated. The picture is him. He's like a skeleton with skin. Life is so hard. He doesn't want to eat. He's dying, it feels like. 
And you know what they do? They stare and they gloat. Like, if you were to, like, go to my mom's house and you look too skinny, she's going to, like, oh, I'm sure I could find something. And she opens the fridge and she's pulling out, like, turkey legs and mashed potatoes. I'm like, I just got here. You had no idea I was going to be here. And you're, like, feeding me Thanksgiving, right? These are not those kind of people. They're not like, Jacob, you look sick. You look like you should eat something. Let me help you. Rather than offering a helping hand, they just stare at him. Rather than encouraging him, they, they gloat over him. They're taunting him. They're looking down at him in his misery, and they're gloating, taunting him. Dude, your situation is bad. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> right? Like, it's one of those kind of people. Dude, not only are they not helping, they are ready to take what little bit he has left. Look at him. He's sitting there suffering and hungry, feels like he's dying, and they're sitting there dividing his garments and casting lots for his clothing. Wild picture. Wild. Think, close your eyes. Think about this. Our dude David is literally laying on the ground with no energy, looking like he's about to die, haven't ate, hasn't eaten a good meal in forever, and they're standing around him like this. And he's like, and they're sitting around, they go, hey, which one of us gets his Xbox when he dies? And he's like, I'm not dead yet. And they're like, yeah, rock, paper, scissors. Who gets his AirPods? Ready? One, two, three, shoot. Ah, dang it. Okay, okay. Hey, I get his North Face. I want his Air Force Ones. I want, he's like, I'm right here. <laughs> you know, like, what a wild picture. They are ready to take what little he has, hashtag savage, hashtag no chill. Here at Citizens, we talk all the time about how important community is, right? We talk all the time how important it is, how it's vital to be surrounded by people who love you, by people who care for you, by people who lift you up and encourage you. But think about how devastating the opposite is. Think about how awful it is to be surrounded by people who hate you, who tear you down, who hurt you. Guys, he's in anguish. This is the reality of relational pain. You guys already knew this, didn't you? You're in middle school after all. You're in stinking high school. You already knew this. That social and relational pain hurts. Few things can just get under our skin like relational conflict, right? It's like, man, I failed my test. A couple days later, I forget about it. But you have a friend who's mad at you. You have a homie who you haven't reconciled with. You have a group of girls who are talking about you behind your back and they don't care that you know it. You have a person who's subtweeting you all the time and you're like literally watching them. You have a person who's talking about you on Twitter and is actually tagging you in it and doesn't care. Like, we know what relational anguish feels like. And David is just confirming it here. Relational pain, it's a real thing. Sometimes life sucks. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Not only is our dude experiencing relational pain, look what else he says. He says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. 
My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. Call your friend a pot shirt. Like, you a pot shirt. We'll get there. And my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. Guys, we know that relational pain is real. But have you ever experienced the heaviness of emotional anguish? You hear his word pictures here, you know, and it's like, they don't actually need a lot of explanation. And I, and I love it, right? Like, he's, he's using a lot of word pictures because that's how it is. When you're in pain and somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, how are you doing? You know, you, you guys all have friends like that, you know? It's like, hey, how you doing? I'm good. No, 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 like, how are you doing? And they just like get the eyebrow look, you know, and they're, how are you? How's it really going? When you're in pain, when you're in anguish, you don't got it together to, to articulate yourself like this. You're not like, well, now that you ask, I actually feel that my sense of abandonment and betrayal from those who used to be my friends, it's exasperating my inner wounds that have been unresolved and is creating an insecurity that is manifesting itself in isolating tendencies and self-deprecating thoughts. Thanks for asking. They're like, that's what I wanted to know. No, dude, when we're hurt, when we're in anguish, and somebody gives us the eyebrow, how are you doing? We're like, ah, I don't know. I'm like, I just feel like a fragile vase that's going to crack if you look at me wrong. I know. I feel like I'm wax and I'm melting and I have no strength. I, how are you doing? I just feel like I'm dying in the desert. I have no water and there's jackals and they're biting at me and biting and biting and biting. <laughs> you said no judgment. What are you doing? But is that not what it's like? Yo, when life is hurt, we don't have the words. We just have the feelings and our dude is full of feelings. Look what he says. It's like everybody say, David, how are you doing? Can we say that? Let's ask him. David, how are you doing? Like really doing? And he goes, I just like, I'm poured out like water. It's like my bones are out of joint. You, like, you know those seasons of life where you're like, I'm strong, right? Like push me over, Lexi, push me, push me. No, I'm strong, I can stand. This is not one of those times. Don't ever hit me again, thank you very much. <laughs> that was way harder than it should have been. This is not one of those times where he feels strong. He's like, I'm water. I have no will of my own. I can't stand. Wherever you pour me, I'm there. I don't even have the energy to stand up. It's like every bone in my body is broken. I'm like a boneless napkin. Just, oh. Let's ask him again. Let's ask him. Say, hey, say, David, how are you doing? He says, oh, I'm like, my heart is like, my heart is like wax. Have you guys ever experienced so much anxiety that it literally feels like your heart is dropping? Like, you know that nervous feeling right before a test? Do you know what it's like to feel that all the time? You know that nervousness that you get right before your driver's test? Or just thinking about your driver's test? Imagine feeling that like all the time. Do you know what it's like to have so much anxiety that you're just like, oh, I feel like I just can't breathe, right? Like, he said, my heart is like, it's like a candle, and it's on fire, and it's just dripping like I have no strength. David, how, how are you doing? 
He says, oh, it's like, it's like my strength is dried up like a potsherd. Look at your neighbor. Look him in their eyes and say, you a potsherd. Nobody knows what that means. No, this is like a, like a fragment. Like he goes, I feel, I feel like a fragile vase. I feel like a piece of foin china. That if you look at me the wrong way, if you breathe on me, if you, like, have you ever been, <laughs> dude, have you ever, have you ever walked into school and you just go, I don't think I'm going to make it today. And somebody comes up to you and they don't eat, like, and they're just like, it's the most fragile little, like, nice shoes, dude. <laughs> and you're like, ah! all right. It's like a little vase. It's like a vase. And all they did was go, and it goes, ding. That's David. He goes, I feel like I'm in the desert and I just ran a marathon and I can't feel my toes and I'm lying face first in the dust and I have no moisture in my body because I haven't drinking since last Tuesday and I can't feel my tongue. My tongue sticks to my jaws. How many of you want to run a marathon in the desert with no water? And you're like, yes, what's next? You're just like, take me now, Lord. End the misery. He's lying in the dust of death. This is his emotional anguish. Have you ever been there, students? Spoiler alert, you will. If you think of Jesus as some cosmic cheerleader who you're just like, I can't look at him today because I just don't have the peppiness, God speaks to you even in these seasons when life sucks. This is the heaviness of emotional anguish. We're going to experience this in this life, guys. Until you get to heaven, you will not experience perfect peace. And so here's what's going to happen. You're going to experience this. I'm just giving you a warning because I'm your pastor and I love you and I need you to be prepared. You're going to experience these things and people in your life are going to notice. You're going to have seasons in your life like I have, right? Where you're suffering or maybe there's physical health or maybe you've lost a loved one or maybe somebody just got diagnosed with cancer or maybe you found out that you're moving to Alaska or maybe you found, right, whatever it is. I know it feels like one of those things don't belong. I apologize to anybody from Alaska. But whatever you feel like, man, that would be the worst. You're going to have those points in your life, and the world around you is going to point at you, and they're going to mock you, and they're going to go, <laughs> where's your God? They're going to look at you in the middle of your anguish, and they're going to say, where is your God? You're anguishing, where is he? You're in pain, where is he? If he loves you, where is he? And they're standing there going, where is he? And you know what the answer is? Right next to you. Right next to you. Because the world is looking up, saying, where is he? But we don't look up, we look over. And we go, he's right there. And we see Jesus Christ right next to us, experiencing the same pain and agony of the human condition that we are. 
We look right next to us and we don't see some abstract deity. We see a physical man named Jesus Christ and he is taking the same level of suffering and anguish right there with us. We look over and we see a man named Jesus Christ and his face is tear streaked and dirty with bags under his eyes because he also came and tasted suffering and anguish. Where is our God? Why are you looking up there? He's the one who came down and he experienced. He was surrounded by evildoers. He experienced betrayal and abandonment. He knew what it was like to be taunted by others. Talk about emotional anguish. Dude was so, excuse Jesus was so emotionally anguished, he was sweating blood. And here we are lamenting through Psalm 22. God, life sucks. Where are you? And he's right there next to us, tasting the same cup of suffering, praying the same lament that we are. We see it here when he's on the cross. Look at the mocking and the taunting of others. He saved others. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And now the robbers, you know, this is like, poor Jesus. It's one thing that like there's people in the crowd. Like imagine you're on the cross and the people in the crowd are like, you, you. And they're mocking and they're taunting and they're gloating. And then the dude next to him on the cross who's like dying but finds enough energy to go, yeah, you, yeah. And it's like he's surrounded by evildoers. The robbers who were crucified also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And at about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lava, sabatekanani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where's your God? You're in anguish, students. Where is your God? He's right there next to you experiencing the same level of suffering and anguish as you, praying Psalm 22 right there. And so when you're in anguish, he's there. He knows what you're experiencing. He knows what it feels like in your pain. He's there. He is the Savior who is with us and relates to us. And Jesus looks at you and he says, student, I know. I get it. I know what it feels like. I am with you in this. But you know what makes Jesus Christ so beautiful? Do you know what has compelled me to surrender my entire life to follow him? We're suffering for our sake. But he came and he was suffering for others' sake. We're suffering because we live in a fallen world. We're suffering because we make bad decisions. We're suffering because people are jerks. He was suffering so that you and I can come into his family. He suffered on the cross so that we wouldn't have to pay the consequences of our actions, but instead that we can come and be accepted by him. And now in Christ, I can accurately say, Lord, nothing I do will make you love me less. And it's true. Thank you, Jesus. So where's your God in the relational pain? 
Where is your God in the emotional anguish? Don't look up. Look over. He's right there next to us. And so what do you do? Sometimes life sucks. What do we do? What did David do? Let's finish here. Look at verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. There he is again using the metaphors. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. You know what he does? He's experiencing relational pain. He's in emotional anguish. Life sucks. And what does he do? He looks to the Lord. And from his brokenness on the floor, he says, God, I need you. Similar to last week, he says, Lord, be near to me. Do not be far off. Come quickly. Save me. What else can he do? You're going to come to a place of anguish where there's no one else but God. Spoiler alert. You're going to come to a place in life where you realize that even your bestie, even your ride or die, even your day one OG friend is not enough in your anguish. You need more. You need more than another human being. You need more than another carton of ice cream. You need more than another few hours of binging Netflix. You need someone who can not only understand you, but who can do something about it. And that's what he does. He turns to the Lord. Deliver me. Save me. And here's my question. Why? You are clearly in pain. You are clearly suffering. How could you possibly presume to cry out to God? You really think he's going to do something? <laughs> guys, let me, you guys know that God's not real, right? You silly little Christians, you guys know that God is simply a figment of your imagination to help you to cope with the problems of this world? <laughs> you guys actually believe in God? Oh my gosh, welcome to university, you silly little Christians. You know you're going to hear that one day, right? You know that people are going to say that it's absurd to cry out to a God in your pain. It doesn't even make sense, they're going to say. They're going to say, if you are crying out to a real God to help you, if he was real, you wouldn't be in this situation in the first place. Therefore, God can't exist. David, why are you crying out to God? Why are you crying out to God? You're in pain right now. Your family is in a hard spot. Your relationships are falling apart. You can't keep your emotions together. And you get here to verse 19 and you say, God, come quickly. Oh, Lord, save me. Why? Where do you find the strength to cry out to God? What makes you think, students, that that's a good idea? You know why he does it? Because he remembers the past. And he says, save me. Why? Because you have rescued me. You see, students, the memory of yesterday's salvation. The memory of God's salvation yesterday gives me hope for today. The people that say to you, why would you cry out to God? You go, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out, time out. No, 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 shut it. Time out. 
Let's think through this together, Mr. Logic Man. Let's think this through together, Mr. Professor. He has already died for me. He has already saved me. He's going to do it again. Romans 8.32, and you guys can get this tattooed with your parents' permission. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Listen, guys, in your suffering, there are a ton of questions. Why? What's the point? When will it end? Why am I going through this? And tonight, I'm going to be honest with you, tonight is not about easy answers. Tonight, I'm not going to end the sermon with some tired cliches. Tonight is about remembering how much God has already done for us. He has loved us so much already, that means there's hope for tomorrow. We remember you have saved us, therefore, yesterday's salvation is tomorrow's hope. God, I'm in the middle of my pain here, and I have no idea why. I have no idea when it will end. I want to die. I just, ah, I feel. And I'm not going to go, well, just remember, three easy steps. No, 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 no. I'm going to sit with you tonight in your pain, just like Jesus is. I'm going to say, you know what? I don't have any answers for you. But as I cry with you, allow me to simply remind you He's already done a ton to save you. What makes you think he won't keep going? Like imagine, imagine, um, imagine I buy a house, right? $400,000 and I buy the house. But then I get in there and it needs a light bulb. And I go, how much is the light bulb? Probably a buck 50. I'm out. Buck you just paid $400,000. What's a dollar? What's a buck 50? He has died for you. He has physically demonstrated his love for you by dying on a cross to save you from the jaws of sin and death. You're gonna be okay. I don't know how. I don't have the answers. But I do know that yesterday's salvation is tomorrow's hope. That as I remember what he's already done for me, as I remember that he, where he brought me from, even if I can't see the future, I know that he's gonna take care of me. Students, your God loves you so much that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him would not perish. You're not going to perish. You're not going to perish. Yesterday's salvation is tomorrow's hope. And so we're going to stop here. We're going to leave David sitting on the floor. We'll finish the psalm next week. We're going to leave David here sitting on the floor with his tears, still crying out to God. And we're going to sit here with him. And we're going to allow ourselves to acknowledge our pain. But we're going to remember that Jesus is next to us. And as we read Psalm 22, we're going to take him up on his invitation to tell him how we feel. We're going to tell him of the anguish. And remember that yesterday's salvation is tomorrow's hope. As I pray for you, the band is going to come. And then here's how we're going to respond as the band plays lightly, you guys can come on down. As the band plays lightly, I want you to open up your Bibles. I want you to read through Psalm 22, for, take a few moments. And I want you to underline the one place in this psalm that most accurately reflects what you're feeling right now. Okay?
You're going to do that. It's just you and the Lord. If you need to cry, if you need to move away, if you need just, this is you and God, and you're going to use this song from this playlist. And I want you to underline the one or two lines in this psalm that is most articulating what you're feeling. And you know what I want you to do with that? I don't want you to go, check, all right, move it. I want you to go, God, here's where I am. And I just want you to pray those words from what you underline. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you made us. And I thank you that you remember that we are only dust. Father, thank you for remembering that sometimes we just don't have it. Sometimes, Lord, we don't feel like the strong oaks. We don't feel like the mighty, stable mountains. Lord, we feel like water that is just crashing down with no form. We feel like the candles that are just melting under the heat of life. Father, we feel like the man who is just collapsed in the desert with no will or strength to go on. And Lord, you don't love us any less in our weariness or in our anguish. And so Lord, we want to use your word as an opportunity to tell you where we're at. So Lord, would you sit next to us? Would you be our sympathetic savior? Father, would you be our high priest who knows the struggles and the temptations and the pains of this life? Lord, even without quick answers, even without one, two, three steps, we're comforted just knowing that you're with us and that you have us. God, you are with us and you have us. And so yesterday's salvation is tomorrow's hope. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Use your pens, use your highlighters.